In this episode, we discuss the future of three character codecs while examining the past, present, and future of AVC, VP9, and VVC. Don't leave now, or you may miss Drawer practicing his buzzwords. The Video Insiders is the show that makes sense of all that is happening in the world of online video, as seen through the eyes of a second-generation Kodak nerd and a marketing guy who knows what iframes and macro blocks are. And here are your hosts, Mark Donegan and Dror Gill. Well, hi, Dror. Is this really episode three? It is. It is episode three. So today we have a really exciting discussion. Uh, as we consider the future of Codex named with three characters. Three character codex. Okay, three let's see. character codex. Uh, I can how, think how many of, can you name? Let's let's how make many can you name? That's uh, um, that's today's trivia question. Uh, I can think of uh, AVC, VP9, AV1, and uh, VVC. Well, you just named three that I was thinking about, and we're going to discuss today. <laughs> We've oh, already good. covered AV1. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you answered correctly. Uh, but we haven't really considered where AVC, VP9, and VVC fit into the codec stew. Mm. So when I think about AVC, I'm almost tempted to just skip it because isn't this codec standard old news? I mean, come on, the entire video infrastructure <laughs> structure of the internet is enabled by AVC. So what is there to discuss? Yeah, you're right. Uh, it's like the default. But uh, in, in fact, the, the interesting thing is that, you know, today we're 2018 and this is a 20 year anniversary of uh, AVC. I mean, ITU issued the call for proposals. Their video coding expert group uh, issued a call for proposal for a project that at the time was called H.26L. Uh, and their target was to double the coding efficiency which effectively means halving uh, the bitrate uh, necessary for, for a given level, level of uh, uh, fidelity. And that's why it was called H26L. It was supposed to be low, low bitrate. Ah, and that's an interesting that's trivia where the question. L came from. I wonder, wonder how many of our listeners uh, uh, knew that. That's, that's kind of cool. H26L. Yeah, uh, hmm. But they didn't go uh, alone. It was the first time they joined forces in 2001. Uh, the ITU VKEG joined forces with the ISO MPEG. That's the same motion pictures expert group, you know, we discussed in the That's first episode. Right. And they, they came together, they joined forces, and they created JVT. That was the joint video team. And I think it's a great example of collaboration between ITU VKEG, they are a standards body dealing with video communication standards, and ISO MPEG, which is a standards body dealing with video entertainment standards. So finally, they understood that there's no point in developing video standards for these two different uh, types of applications. So they got all the experts together in the JVT and this group developed what is uh what was the you know the best video compression standard at the time and it was launched May 30th 2003 wow. but there was one uh, small drawback you know of this collaboration is that the video standard was known by two na names you know there was the ITU name which is H264 and then there's the ISO MPEG name which is AVC so this created some confusion at the start but i think by now 
you know, most of our listeners know that H.264 and AVC are, are two of the same. Yeah, definitely. So AVC was developed 15 years ago and it's still around today. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's really impressive. And it's not only around, it's, it's the most popular video compression standard in the world today. I mean, AVC is used to deliver video uh, over the internet to computers, televisions, mobile devices, cable, satellite, terrestrial broadcast, and, you know, even Blu-ray discs. This just shows you how long it takes from standardization to adoption, right? That's 15 right. years until we get this mass market adoption, market dominance of H.264 AVC as we have today. And, and the reason it takes so long is that, you know, we, we discussed it, uh, I think in our first episode, first you need to develop uh, the standard and then uh, you need to develop uh, the chips that support the standard. Then you need to develop devices that incorporate the chip. Uh, even when initial implementation of the codec are released, they're still not as efficient as they can be. And it takes Coded developers more time to refine it and improve the performance and the quality. You need to develop the tools. You know, all of that takes time. It does. Yeah. You know, I have a background in consumer electronics, and because of that, I know for certainty that AVC is going to be with us for a while. And I'll explain why. It's really simple. The coding of H.264 is just fully supported in every chipset on the market. I mean, literally every chipset. There is not a device that supports video which does not also support. AVC today. I mean, it just, it doesn't exist. You can't find it anywhere. And then when you look at encoding technologies for AVC, H.264, they have advanced to the point where you can really reach state-of-the-art for very low cost. There's just too much market momentum where the encode and decode ecosystems are just massive. And we think about um, entertainment applications and consumer electronics, uh, you know, for a lot of us, that's our, our primary the market we play in. But if you consider the surveillance and the industrial markets, which are absolutely massive, and all of these security cameras you see, you know, literally everywhere, drone cameras, they all have ABC encoders in them. Bottom line, ABC isn't going anywhere fast. No, you're, you're right. I, I totally agree with that. It's dominant, but it's still uh, here to stay. Th the problem is that, uh, you know, we, we talked about this video delivery uh, over the internet. And, and the big problem is the bandwidth bottleneck with so much video being delivered over the internet. And then the demand for quality is growing. People want higher resolution. They want HDR, which is high dynamic range. They want higher frame rate. And all this means you need more and more bitrate uh, to represent the video. And the bitrate efficiency that's required today is is beyond the standard encoding of, of AVC. And that's where uh, you need external technologies, such as content adaptive encoding, perceptual optimization, uh, really help you push AVC to its limits. Yeah. And Dror, I know you're one of the inventors of a perceptual optimization technique based on a really unique quality measure, which I've heard some in the industry, you know, believe it could even extend the life of AVC from a bitrate efficiency perspective. Tell us about, you know, what you developed and what you've worked on. Yeah, yeah, that, and, and that's right. I did have some uh, some part in this. Uh, so we, we developed a quality measure and, and uh, we developed a whole application around it. And this is a solution that can reduce the bitrate of AVC by 30%, sometimes even, uh, even 40%. It, it doesn't get us exactly to where HEVC starts. So, uh, you know, 50%, it's, it's pretty uh, difficult difficult and not for every content, but content distributed
distribute distributors that uh, recognize AVC will still be part of their codec mix for at least I think five years I think uh, what we've built can can really be helpful to them and it's a it's a welcome relief to this uh, uh, bandwidth uh, bottleneck issue absolutely it sounds like we're in agreement that for the you know at least the the midterm horizon medium horizon AVCs gonna stay with us yeah yeah I, I definitely think so for for some applications and services and uh, in certain regions of the world where uh, the device penetration of, of the latest high-end models is not as high as in other parts AVC will be will be the primary codec uh, for some time to come Okay, so that's AVC. Now let's talk about VP9. Yes, let's do that. It's interesting to me. Essentially, you know, it's mostly a YouTube codec. It, it It's not a bad codec. It has some efficiency advantages over AVC, but outside of Google, you don't see any, any large-scale deployments. By the way, if you look at Wikipedia, you, you read about the section that says where is uh, VP9 used. It says VP9 is used mostly by YouTube, some usage by Netflix, and it's being used by Wikipedia. You know, there's no doubt in my mind um, VP9 is is supported fairly well in devices, um, though you know it's obviously hard to uh, say exactly what the penetration is. But I, I think there is support in hardware for decode for VP9. You know, certainly it's ubiquitous on Android, uh, and, and it's in many of the uh, UHD TV chipsets as well. So it's not always enabled. But again, you know, from my background on the hardware side, I know that many of those SOCs they do have a VP9 decoder built into them. I guess the question in my mind is, you know, it's talked about, certainly Google is uh, is a notable both developer and user, but why hasn't it been adopted? Well, I, I think there are several issues uh, here. One of them is compression efficiency. VP9 brings maybe 20, 30% improvement in compression efficiency over AVC, but it's not 50%. So you're not doubling your compression efficiency. And if you want to replace a codec, you know, that that's really a big deal. That's really a huge investment. You need to invest in uh, in coding infrastructure, you know, new players. You need to do compatibility testing. You need to make sure that your packaging and your DRM work correctly and all of that. So you really want to get a huge benefit to offset this investment. And I think people are really looking for that 50% improvement to double the efficiency, which is what you get with HEVC, but but not quite with, with VP9. And I think the, the second point is that VP9, even though it's an open source codec, it's developed and, and the standard is maintained by Google. And some industry players are, are kind of afraid of, of the dominance of Google. You know, Google has taken over the advertising market online. Yes, that's a good point. You know, and and and, and, and search and, and mobile operating systems, uh, except Apple, it's, it's all Android. So th- those uh, uh, industry players might be thinking, I, I don't want to depend on Google for my video compression format. I, I think this is especially true for traditional broadcasters, cable companies, satellite companies, TV channels that broadcast over the air. And these companies traditionally like to go with established international standards, compression technologies that are standardized. They have a seal of approval, you know, by ITU and ISO. And then they're typically following that traditional codec development path. So was MPEG-2, now it's AVC, starting with HEVC. And uh, what's coming next? 
Well, our next uh, three-letter codec is VVC. Tell us about VVC, George. Yeah, yeah, VVC. I think this is another great example of collaboration between ITU and ISO. Again, they formed a joint video experts team. This time, it's called JVET. And that this sounds like it should be a. That sounds like it should be like a, a government. Uh, you know, I don't know, a secret, uh, you know, like the guys that drive the, the black cars and wear black suits, you know, like, yeah. like the J-Vets are here. The J-Vets. <laughs> I, I think it sounds the like- The are here. <laughs> I think it sounds like a band from the 60s. Hey, no. there you go. The J-Vets. Yeah, the J-Vets. The J-Vets. Okay. Yeah. All right. Aretha you have your Franklin new band and name. the J-Vets. <laughs> there you go. You have your new band name drawer. Yeah. <laughs> Who are you? We're the JVETs. What the hell is We're that? We're the well, JVETs. Yeah. You hey, don't know what is JVET. Listen to our podcast, <laughs> then you'll know everything. That's right. That's right. So the JVETs have launched a, a project uh, to develop a new video coding standard. And, you know, we had AVC, that was Advanced Video Coder. Then we had HEVC, which is High Efficiency Video Codec. So then they thought, what would be the next generation? You know, it's already advanced. It's high efficiency. So the next one, they called it VVC which is versatile video code. The objective of uh, VVC is obviously to provide a significant improvement in compression efficiency over the existing uh, HEVC standard. Development already started. The JVET group is meeting uh, um, every few months in some exotic place in the world. And, uh, and this uh, standardization process will continue and they plan to complete it before the end of 2020. So essentially in the next two years, they're going to complete the standard. And uh, today already, even though VVC is in early development and they haven't implemented all the tools, they already report 30% uh, better compression efficiency than uh, HEVC. So uh, we have high hopes that we'll be able to fight the video tsunami that is coming uh, upon us with a much improved uh, standard video codec, which is uh, VVC. I mean, it's improved at least uh, on the technical side. And I understand that they also want to improve uh, the process, right? That's right. That's right. Well, technical capabilities are certainly important. And, uh, you know, we're tracking, of course, VVC and um, 30% better efficiency this early in the game uh, is is promising. Um, I wonder if the JVET uh, will bring any learnings, you know, from the famous HEVC royalty debacles, you know, to VVC, because I think what's in everybody's mind is, okay, great. You know, this can be much more efficient, technically better. But if we're, if we have to go round and round on royalties again, you know, it's just going to kill it. So what do you think? Yeah, that's right. I, I, I think uh, it's, it's absolutely true and many people in the industry have realized this that you can't just develop a video standard and then handle the patent royalty issues later uh, luckily some companies have come together and they formed an industry group called the media coding industry forum or mcif they held their first meeting a few weeks ago in uh, macau during mpeg meeting 124 their purpose statement, let me quote this from their website, and I'll give you my interpretation. They say the Media Coding Industry Forum, MCIF, is an open industry forum with the purpose of furthering the adoption of MPEG standards, initially focusing on VVC, by establishing them as well-accepted and widely used standards for the benefit of consumers and the industry. My interpretation is that the group was formed in an effort for companies with interest in this next-generation video codec to come together and attempt to influence the licensing policy 
policy of VVC and try to agree on a reasonable patent licensing policy in advance to prevent history from repeating itself. We don't want that whole Hollywood story with the tragedy that took a few years until they reached the That's right. happy ending. So what, what they're even talking about, this is very interesting. They're talking about having a modular structure for the codec. So these tools of the codex the, the features can be plugged in and out very easily. So if some company insists on unreasonable licensing terms, this group can just decide not to support the feature and it would be very easily uh, removed from the standard or at least from uh, um, the way that companies implement uh, that standard. That's a, a interesting approach. I wonder how technically feasible it is. I think, you know, we'll get into that in some other um, episodes, yeah, yeah. but that, that, that may have some effect on, on performance. Um, exactly. Uh, well. Yeah, 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 exactly. And again, you know, it's, uh, are we back into the situation that Alliance for Open Media is in with AV1, you know, where part of the issue of the slow performance is trying to work around patents. You know, they, uh, and, and at the end of the day, uh, you end up with a solution that is hobbled technically. Um, yeah. yeah, I hope, it's I, a, hope I hope they don't go there. I hope, I, I hope, yeah, I hope we're not there. Um, but I think you heard this too. Uh, hasn't Apple joined the consortium uh, recently? Yeah, yeah, they did. They, they joined silently as they always do. I mean, silently mean that, that, that one day somebody discovers their logo on the <laughs> website, <logo>. but <laughs> they don't That's make right. any announcement or anything. You just see a logo yeah, on the yeah. website and then, oh, okay. <laughs> Okay. So they're Apple that. is in the building. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's right. <laughs> you know, maybe it's good to kind of bring this discussion, you know, back to earth and uh, and, and close out our three part series uh, by giving the listeners some pointers, you know, about how they should be thinking about um, the next codec that they adopt. And um, so I've been, I've been given some thought, you know, as, uh, as we've been doing these episodes and uh, you know, I think I'll kick it off here, drawer, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll yeah, share sure. some Go of my, ahead. my, Go my ahead. thoughts and then, uh, you know, you, you can jump in. So, you know, I think, uh, I think we have to start, you know, these are complex decisions, of course. And, uh, you know, I completely agree. And, and uh, it, you know, codec, you know, billing this as codec wars and codec battles is, it's not helpful. You know, at the end of the day, it's, it may, maybe it makes for a, a catchy headline, but uh, it's not helpful. You know, there's real business decisions, there's technical decisions. And I think um, a good place to start, you know, for somebody who's listening and saying, okay, great. I now have a better understanding of the lay of the land for HEVC, for AV1. I can understand VP9. I can understand AVC and, and what some of my options are, you know, to even further reduce bitrate. But now what do I do? And I think a good place to start is to just look at your customers, you know, and do they lean towards early adopters? You know, are you in a, um, in a strong uh, economic environment, which is to say, quite frankly, um, do most of your customers carry around, you know, the latest devices like an iPhone X or Galaxy 9? If largely um, your customers lean towards early adopter and they're carrying around the latest devices, then you have an obligation to serve them with the highest quality and the best performance possible. Right. If your customers can receive HEVC and it's half the bit rate, then why not deliver to them better quality or save on your CDN costs with this more efficient codec 
you know, and, and everybody's happy. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and again, you know, I think this using pure logic, um, if somebody can afford a more than a thousand dollar device in their pocket, probably the TV hanging on the wall is, is a very new UHD capable. They probably have a game console in the house. The point is that um, you can make a pretty strong argument and an assumption that you could go, um, you know, what what I like to think of as all-in HEVC, including even standard definition, just SDR um, content. So the industry has really lost sight, in my mind, of the benefits of HEVC as they apply across the board to all resolutions. Um, all of the major consumer streaming services are delivering 4K using HEVC, but you know, I'm still shocked at how many it's kind of like, oh, we forget that the same advantages of bitrate efficiency that work at 4K apply at 480p. You know, obviously the absolute numbers are smaller because the file sizes are smaller, et cetera. But the point is, you know, a 30, 40, 50% savings applies at 4K as it does at, at, at 480p. And I understand, you know, there's different applications and use cases, right? But But would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, I, I surely agree with that. I mean, for 4K, HEVC is really an enabler, you know, because That's for right. AVC, you would need like 30, 40 megabits of video. Nobody can stream that to the home. But yeah. if you get to 10, 15... That's reasonable. And then you must use HEVC for, for 4K. Otherwise, it won't even fit the pipe. But for all other resolutions, you know, you get the bandwidth advantage or you can trade it off for a quality advantage and deliver higher quality to your users or higher frame rate or enable HDR. You know, you have all of these possibilities that you can do with HD and even SD content to give them a better experience, right. you know, using HEVC and being able to play that stream on devices that your users already have. So yeah, I, I agree. I think it's a, it's an excellent uh, analysis. Obviously, if, if you're operating in an emerging market or your consumers uh, don't have high-end devices, then AVC is, is a good solution if there are network constraints and there are many places in the world that network connectivity isn't that great uh, in rural areas and we have very large parts of the population spread out, then bandwidth is low, then you get into that bottleneck even with HD and SD right. content. That's where perceptual uh, optimization uh, can help you, uh, reducing that bitrate even for AVC and, and keeping it within the constraints uh, uh, that you have. And then, you know, when, when your consumers can upgrade their devices and when the cycle comes in a few years when every device has uh, HEVC support, then obviously you, you upgrade your your, um, your capability and and support HEVC across the board. Yeah, that's a that's a very important point, um, uh, Dror. Is that you know this HEVC adoption curve uh, in terms of in silicon, you know, on devices, um, it, it is in full motion. Just the planning life cycles. If you look at what goes into um, you know hardware, and especially on the silicon side, it just it doesn't happen that way. You know, once uh, once these uh, technologies are in the designs, once they're in the dyes, once they're in the silicon, they you know they just don't get arbitrarily sort of like turned on and off like light switches. How should somebody be looking at after they've heard all that we've talked about, you know, what do they do with VP9, VVC, and AV1?
Well, VP9 is an easy one. I mean, unless you're Google, then you're, you're very likely going to skip over this, this codec. Not, not just uh, that uh, VP9 is, isn't a viable choice. It simply doesn't go so far as HEVC in terms of bitrate efficiency and quality. Maybe two years back, you would consider it as an option for reducing bitrate. But now with HEVC support that you have, you know, there, there's no point in going uh, to VP9. You might as well go to, uh, uh, to HEVC. Uh, if you talk about, uh, uh, VVC standard still a few years from being uh, ratified, so <laughs> we actually don't have anything to talk about. The important point is again to remember: even when VVC launches, it will still be another two to three years after ratifying the standard before you have even even a very basic playback ecosystem in place. So I would uh, I would tell our listeners: if you're thinking uh, why should I adopt HEVC because VVC is just around the corner, well that corner is is very far. You know, it's more of like the corner of the earth than the corner of the next uh, block. <laughs> That's so, right. Uh, That's right. Uh, so you know, HEVC today, VVC will be uh, your next step in uh, in a few years, and then there's AV1. You know, we we talk talked a lot about AV1. No doubt, AV1 has support from huge companies. I mean, all of those huge, huge companies, Google, Facebook, Intel, uh, Netflix, Microsoft, and those engineers, they know what they're doing. But now it's quite clear that compression efficiency is the same as HEVC. And meanwhile, after removing uh, other royalty costs for, for content delivery, you know, HEVC advanced removed it, MPEG-LA doesn't charge for it. So the license situation is much more clear now. And you add to this the fact that at the end of the day, in two to three years, you're going to need five to 10 times more compute power to encode AV1, reaching effectively the same result. You no, know, Google, again, Google may be, they, they have unlimited compute resources. They will use it. I mean, because they developed it, but the smaller content providers, you know, all the other ones, the, the non-Google of the world and, and all the broadcasters, you know, with a growing support for HEVC that, that we expect in a few years, I, I think the, it's obvious they're going to support HEVC. And then a few years later, when VVC is ratified, when it's supported in devices, they're going to move to VVC because this codec does have the required uh, compression efficiency improvement uh, over HEVC. Yeah, that's an excellent summary drawer. And, um, you know, thank you for breaking this all down for our listeners so succinctly. I, I, I'm sure this is really going to provide massive value. And I want to thank our amazing audience because without you, the Video Insiders podcast would just be drawing me taking up bits on a server somewhere. Yeah, talking to ourselves. <laughs> As you can tell, video is, is really exciting to us. And so we're so happy that um, you've joined us to listen. And again, this has been a production of Beamer Limited. Please subscribe on iTunes. And if you would like to try out Beamer Codex in your lab or your production environment, we are giving away up to 100 hours of HEVC and H.264 encoding every month. That's each and every month. Just go to beamer.com forward slash free, F-R-E-E, and get started immediately. All right. Well, until the next episode, thank you for joining us, and we will talk to you very soon.